When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into episode 274 of the Source to Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. Source to Say is brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations. It's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning dr thompson dr justice and their team strive to provide you with good oral health and a comfortable environment the just dental team looks forward to seeing you soon i'm your host jack pilgrim of kentucky sports radio very happy to be joined live at five sources say with sean smith at go big blue country sean how the heck are you it's, it's amazing when we're actually on time right like uh it definitely we're getting better at this it, definitely it, we, we got it was very close and it wasn't even our fault this time. Steven's usually the one that like is already well in advance, has everything ready to roll. And it's usually a, uh, an internet issue or a camera is not working or whatever for both of us. But this time it wasn't even our fault that we were like 38 seconds late, but this time, you know what, uh, we're, we're close enough. We are very happy to be back. Uh, and Sean, I'm excited for this show because it's not us breaking down breaking news or having a guest on and having them kind of carry the show and fans kind of taking a back seat to us talking uh, that we, because of how hectic things have been all off season with the global jam, with peach jam, with all of our guests, with all the breaking news, we haven't really gotten a lot of, uh, you know, interaction with, with our fans. So I, I thought today was a good opportunity for us to kind of get back to that, do a, a Q and a session. we got a ton of, questions to go through talking about the current roster talking about uh recruiting talking about you know rotations and lineups and minute distribution and things like that uh, Sean, i'm really looking forward to this show to kind of get back to uh you know that interaction with the fan base because it's it's already loading up the, the queue is uh, quite hectic already uh with, with fans ready to, to dig into the nuts and bolts of this roster yeah our, our listeners is what you know makes this show what it is so it's fun to engage in those questions and and topics and and I know that they're they're going to create the content today. The people that listen to the show, you create the content. You ask us questions, we get to them, and we're going to see where this goes. I'm sure we'll be talking lineups. We'll be talking who's who's going to be left out, who we think is going to maybe sleeper picks and, and things like that. Justin Edwards showing up number one on a, on a draft board recently of the Athletics. So a lot really to talk about. But hey, this will be a fun episode. I'm excited to see what questions we have. I know they're loaded in the comments and. Twitter and everywhere else, or X, sorry. I don't know what you call it now, Twitter X. I, I looked for the app forever the other day. Forgot where it was. Yeah, different color, different – it, it sucks, man. I, I guess I did want to start – there are two things uh, that I wanted to start with just on our end that I wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, so the commitment of Vladimir Ivicic uh, happened last Tuesday morning. We did a, a live breaking uh, news show immediately following that. But I spent a lot of time last week – uh, after the fact, talking to a lot of international scouts, NBA scouts, 
that worked him out, that had him in as part of the, the draft process and really got to know him as a player, as a, as a person, uh, you know, got to kind of pull back the curtain, I guess you could say, Sean, and, and uh, figure out who Kentucky is getting with Avisic and, and just how, what you know, set real expectations, not just use 30-second highlight clips to say, well, he's clearly Kristaps Porzingis, seven-foot-two unicorn. Uh, try to find an actual gauge of what the Wildcats are getting and what fans should expect because it doesn't do anybody any good if you set an expectation of this kid's going to come in and be a lottery pick and uh, fans should just expect a, a seamless transition from him coming overseas to America. And uh, so I, I really got some insightful stuff for, from scouts and I want to get your feedback and I'm sure fans will have some questions about what I have to say. And uh, some you know, we've already got some kind of hinting about when's he going to arrive eligibility status, things like that. But uh, we'll, we'll just kind of start there and kind of go, go from there, Sean. Uh, so first and foremost, not a single scout international or NBA uh, that, that I talked to had a bad thing to say about him as, as a person or, uh, you know, even as a player uh, there, there, it was an overwhelming consensus about this kid clearly has every physical tool you could dream of uh, with a high level potential lottery pick. Like that was a, a pure consensus about, you know, th this kid is who everybody thinks he can be at the end of the day. But where everybody kind of kept going back to Sean, including people that literally worked him out this past draft cycle, was he is nowhere near that yet at the end of the day. He has a lot of work to be done. Uh, he's rough around the edges. I kind of hinted on our on our breaking news show that, you know, reckless at times, turnover prone, bad shot selection that would have to get reeled in a little bit. Um, new things that kind of popped up. Uh, toughness has been a question with, with scouts that worked him out. Uh, there was one scout that said that he turned his ankle in, in their workout with him. It was a very loose thing that 95% of players get right back up, kind of walk it out and, and keep rolling with it. He ended his practice session, said, I'm done for the day, uh, went to the back. And, and you know, that team kind of said, hmm, that, that, that showed me something that I didn't necessarily love. Um, and another also kind of questioned his, his love and passion for the game. Uh, his commitment to kind of digging deeper and really uh, trying to find that potential, that lottery unicorn Christoph Porzingis potential, uh, they kind of said, does he have that that inner drive and passion to get to the bottom of that? Now, uh, they said the catch and shoot ability is there, uh, a little loose with his with his ball handling, needs to get that tightened up if he wants to be able to be that at, at, at the SEC level, but he has the tools to do so. There's a lot of excitement about him, Sean, and, and everybody that I talked to, uh, said that this is a, a no no questions asked slam dunk for John Calipari. Said if they were in John Calipari's shoes, they'd take this risk 10 times out of 10, no questions asked. But there are some concerns. There are some um, drawbacks with Avisich that fans should be aware of that could, will at least at the beginning of his time at Kentucky, will at least impact that from day one. Yeah, and, and as much as as much as we know, we also don't know about him, and especially the fan base. Like that's a name that didn't really pop up within this fan base until about the 22nd, 23rd of July. And then a few days later, what, five or six days, he, he's a Kentucky Wildcat and committed. And a lot of guys probably, or a lot of people that listen to the show didn't know who he was. And honestly, Jack, you and I hadn't followed his game or anything. So everything that we saw at the exact same time was kind of new and all we had was tape. And then you got this information that you just shared and stuff about him. So I think it was definitely a great decision by John Calipari and the staff to to take a chance. I don't know how risky it is, really, because his skill set shows up on on film, and then you you hope that you kind of work through the other things that you discussed. And 
honestly, every kid that enters a college basketball program has one or two or three things that a head coach and the staff would love to clean up about their game. Nobody enters college basketball as an 18 year old kid, just ready to roll and be a professional. Like even back when it was going, when guys could go straight out of high school to the NBA, you know that there were things that professional organizations were like, you got to clean this up. You got to do this better. You got to get more efficient with this. And not all of it is just on the floor basketball. Some of it is is other things as well. But I, I certainly think that given what Kentucky has with its roster and given where they were on the interior with the injuries, but more importantly, just the skill set that he has. I think that's the most important thing that they didn't just go add a roster filler. They went and added a guy that fits alongside the skills of the other guys on this roster offensively and immediately adds a need defensively that they do not have right now. It was a move that made total sense on both sides. And I think that that's what makes it so intriguing and, and gives all the excitement there, there obviously is things that, like you said, that you want to see him get cleaned up. But if he just cleans up half of them, I think he's going to make a, a big you know, contribution to what this team can be. And he's going to play minutes right away. And I, I, another reason why I love this move so much is this wasn't a last second, oh, shoot, this guy is magically available. Let's go add him real quick. This was something that Kentucky has kind of kept under lock and key for a minute. Now, th- this process has been going on longer than I even am at even learning after the fact about, you know, some of the details, uh, talking to people around the program. This, the, you know, they were like, you know, we've been talking to Avisish and his people and talking about the possibility of him joining this program a lot longer than anybody had any idea. They, a lot of guys didn't even know this kid existed while we were in talks with him about coming over to play for us. So, uh, this this wasn't just Orlando Antigua or Ch- Chuck Martin or John Calipari or Chin Coleman looking at a 30-second highlight clip on YouTube or him working out against Oscar Sheboy against the Pacers and going, ooh, why aren't we trying to add this guy? This this has been in the works for a minute now, and they they really did a great job of vetting this process as, as thoroughly and knowing they, – they knew all those red flags. They knew all of those flaws and, you know, talking to people around the program. They're like, we know. Like there's there's nothing about this kid that you and I are learning throughout the process or what fans are learning at this point that they haven't already uh, learned and have kind of weighed. And even, you know, before the Toronto trip, them going to Toronto and playing the way they did only added to the fact that they wanted to get this kid. And, and I think that has me more excited that nothing nothing about the last month has changed their status and their desire to add this kid. And usually when Cal sees somebody like that, he knows what he's looking for and what he needs, and he can he has that eye and evaluation for talent. Uh, and I, I trust that judgment judgment over just about anybody else in the basketball world. And two, like a couple of things here, it, they could have gone out and just added a guy here in August that maybe goes into the portal or, or something, or, or get a reclass or or whatever the options were. And it kind of it, it maybe would have raised some some questions from you and I about how they fit with this current roster. And then that would have felt like maybe they're panicking a little bit with the interior. Maybe they're just going and and just throwing anybody into the mix, but going and get a guy that fits alongside the other people on your roster, including your bigs. Like this is a guy that can slide or slide alongside and play with Bradshaw. And and you can do some different lineup combinations with him and Trey Mitchell. And if, and if Ugo's healthy and, and do some things there that don't kill your spacing offensively, but then you add something defensively without having to sacrifice something on the offensive end of the floor. It, it made perfect sense uh, to, to go get him and add this guy. And then two, the, the thing that you said at the top of it, nothing bad could be said about him. 
as a human being and, and things like that. That's another important thing that you may have red flags about someone's game or things that they need to clean up when it comes to on the court or maybe some toughness, but you don't have things that you need to clean up about someone's overall, like how they are as a human being and what they add to your program. So they, they added a well-respected kid that then you clean up the basketball side of things. And then he fits this program and, and what they're looking for. And I think that's the most important thing that probably that you said and headlined with. Kind of compare it to the feedback of, of Rob Dillingham and how, yes, because he plays an erratic style of, of, of play and, and he makes mistakes and he has bad shot selection and he kind of plays in this camp like setting and I'm going to go get mine that it almost comes across, well, oh, well, that kid clearly has to be selfish. That kid clearly has to be a my way or the highway type kid. It's kind of the same reputation that Zvonimir has, has earned overseas. Yes, he is erratic. Yes, his shot selection is bad. Yes, he has a lot of stuff that Kentucky's going to have to reel in and teach him structured basketball, just like they did with Rob Dillingham. But so far, so good with it. They have learned very quickly that Rob Dillingham is as low maintenance as they come. He's not you know, making these demands and saying, well, you know, drama and politics and all, you know, all the extra stuff that comes. Uh, that's not what Rob Dillingham is. And that's not what Avisic is going to be in Lexington either. So uh, all things considered, awesome move from a basketball standpoint. I know there'll be specific questions that fans will ask about him uh, throughout the show. And, and I guess uh, one that we didn't really get to dive into a whole lot last week that I do have more context and, and clarification on is his eligibility. And, and, uh, I've been told and kind of doubled down and tripled down on Kentucky's side that there's no ex, no concern about uh, you know this being an Enos Cantor situation. They I guess uh, they've gotten all the p- paperwork necessary with transcripts and you know things that make Kentucky feel extremely confident that the NCAA is going to clear him at the end of the day. And uh, there, there's no panic. There's no. Uh, hesitancy, like uh, the exact quote I got was, "It's never over until it's over." You know, you you always want to get that actual, uh, like when Rob Dillingham got his cl- clearance from the NCAA with his academics. It's like they were confident and they felt really good about it, but it's just that extra sigh of relief of we're good. It, 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 that piece of paper is going to be huge for for Kentucky, and they're looking forward to that. But until then, there's no concern. They feel really good about it. The expectation is he's supposed to arrive. arrive uh, with his teammates, with his freshmen and, and upperclassmen uh, at the start of the, the, this upcoming fall semester, which the, the, the fall semester starts in the next couple of weeks, uh, late late August. So ready or not, here Big Z comes. So that, that's definitely something Kentucky fans should be excited for. No hiccups. I'm, I've, I've heard um, not expected to see any speed bumps or anything regarding his eligibility or his arrival here in Lexington. Uh, all things considered, we're, we're expecting good news on that front, Sean. Yeah, and two, you know, I said this on our last episode that I had confidence that Kentucky kind of knew all these things before they ever even took a commitment. Given they've been burned by by some situations in recent years, and there's no reason for us to get into it and talk about those. But it felt like a program that maybe has learned some things along the way that you want to kind of check all boxes and and kind of dig and, and get your information before you really move forward with the commitment and and things. So it, it felt like something that Kentucky had. Like you said, this has been going on for a while. This wasn't just something just popped up on July 20th or 21st. And Kentucky's like, okay, let's go get this kid. Like this has been something that they had been, you know, taking into consideration and digesting and looking at on their end before they go and do it. Uh, By the way, are we going to go with Big Z? Like is that probably what he'll most likely be called? I I think – I don't see many people just saying his name over and over again. 
I'm interested to see if that sticks. I know Steven and I were talking about that the other day, and that, that kind of feels like the one that, that's going to fit. Big Z, like I like it. Kentucky is calling him Z. So the staff is when talking about him in in passing, it's Z. So maybe it's Big Z. You know, big it's big fill in the blank is Z. always it, it's always a <laughs> term of endearment. Oh, that's you know Big Jack, Big Sean, whatever. So I, I think Big Z is perfect. I I would anticipate that being uh, the the term of endearment for fans, coaching staff. Uh, you know, media guys, it just makes it so much easier, Sean. You, you never want to get caught in the heat of the moment, getting excited about a kid and trying, you know, and then fumble over this kid's name. It's like, oh, just, you know, big, big Z works, man. I, I like that one quite a bit. Yeah, I, I do too. I think it fits and uh, it'll be much easier. Save some characters on Twitter too, like when we're tweeting out during games and, and things and then graphics on this show, like not having to worry about uh, misspelling something. No, I, I like the name Z. I think that's pretty cool. And you can already well, see it being on T-shirts probably at some point. Uh, I love it. Let's uh, uh, pay some bills real quick. The Source to Say podcast is brought to you by Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream looking for a side hustle while working your current job, wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy? Andy can help. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he is here to help if you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime uh, if you have any questions at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, let's d- dig into some of these questions, Sean. Um, so I, I promise KSR Plus, if you haven't subscribed there yet, what are you doing? There's the, there's way too much good stuff there. Great premium content going on the uh, actual website itself. But the, the message board is awesome. Uh, the, the feedback and interaction has been awesome there. So uh, I promise we'd answer those questions there first. You know, they, they get first dibs and then we'll kind of transition into Twitter and, and uh, questions from the chat. So this one, uh, Kanban kind of gave us four four good ones. Connor in a row said, uh, one, predict the lineup that will close the games for the Cats. I'll start with that. Uh, Sean, what, what do you think? Starting lineup or f- lineup that will close the game for the Cats this upcoming season? You know, that's a tough one just because we, we don't have this. We don't get we didn't get to see the roster at full strength. Like we didn't get to see any of the bigs outside of Trey Mitchell closing the games is this a is Kentucky got the lead are they trailing like what are we going here like there's so many different combos that can and that's great right the flexibility and the versatility they can do but I would say two guys that I think are for sure going to be in those closing moments I think you're going to have Trey Mitchell and I think you're going to have Antonio Reese for sure just especially early on in the season those two veteran guys that can both space the floor and shoot it shoot the ball at the free throw line I think DJ Wagner, I think we saw enough in Toronto that, that he's probably going to be your closer at guard. Jack, from that point on, I think it could be something that you see kind of play its way out early in the season of how Reed Shepard performs in those moments. How does is Rob Dillingham get opportunities and, and kind of grow his game? I'm going to say those three. Let's Who else are you plugging? Justin Edwards, probably four. I'd say those four. The fifth one. Does Kentucky need defense? Does it need offense? I don't know. Where would you finish that out? I think it's going to be a moving target, depending on what Kentucky's. if they need a stop, if they need a bucket, if they need offense, if they need versatility. Like, you got a guy for all of those options. And, you know, if you want to go small, you can put Reed in there or, like you said, Rob and just have Trey be your five or Bradshaw for shot making. Like, you, there, there is enough there. And, shoot, if, if Big Z comes along the way – 
I think, you know, the staff is hoping and, you know, hopefully he becomes that at the end of the day where that's a hell of a mismatch as well. You, you want that possibility in those closing lineups and things like that. So uh, I think you got three firm, four close to firm, and that fifth can be a moving target depending on what Kentucky's looking for, who's trending the right direction uh, at that point of the season or whatever. I, I think uh, there, there's there's a lot of excitement for that versatility and part of the reason why there was so much excitement leaving uh, leaving Toronto is because we did get to see that much variation in, in just the lineups in general. If Kentucky has a lead late, I do think Reed Shepard's going to be on the floor because of the ability to be a high IQ trigger man inbounding the ball against full court pressure, making good decisions, get the ball back to him. He can hit free throws. He can handle it. He doesn't get sped up, Jack. So I think that he's going to be in those late game closing lineups that, and, and these lineups change the, the way you close games change. If you have a four or five point lead, you're going to go with a certain group. If you're down four or five, like you said, it depends on matchups. If you need a stop, if you need a bucket, it, it, there's so many different things, but Kentucky has versatility and flexibility with this roster that they could roll out two or three different closing lineups. But by the end of the year, I think you'll see some, at least those three guys that we mentioned for sure. Justin Edwards in there. I mean, if you got a guy that's that talented, you want him on the floor and be able to play, you know, both ends and things. But then that fifth guy, that fifth spot seems to be the one that's going to move around depending on what Kentucky needs. And then who consistently emerges and kind of takes ownership late in games and, Look, Kentucky plays Kansas and some of these teams early. You're going to you're going to get questions answered of who Kentucky needs to go to to close games out. Uh, okay. Now, who's going to get the shot? Uh, Chad Spearmint says, "What do you expect the minute split to look like?" Or actually, do Connor's question first, who takes the the shot if the game's on the line and then we'll go to um, the minute split. From from what I saw in Toronto, I, I think it's going to be Antonio Reeves. I, I really do. It's got to be. It's got to be. And and I, I know how he ended last season. I'm throwing it out the window because I just think that that was just such bad luck. I, I actually went back and watched that game last week. I don't know why I did that to myself. But Terrible idea. Why would it, you do that? Well, I actually came away with it a little bit more, feel a little bit more positive about him because he had two looks early in the game that were great looks that he just missed that I think if those go down, Kentucky completely has a different outcome, and we're probably at Madison Square Garden a few days later. Like, if he just hits a couple, they were good looks, and then it just made me feel like, okay, this is a guy that just had a terrible night shooting the basketball. And then what we saw in Toronto, that's who he actually is because that's what we saw for months, for the, the large part of last season, especially towards the end. He's the guy. The ball, the ball in your hands guy, though, I think is going to be DJ Wagner. I think he's going to make a lot of plays off the bounce, not just for himself, but for a guy like Antonio Reeves getting some shots. But if I need a three-pointer, if I need a bucket late, I'm going to him because he's so quick getting those shots off, put it on the floor, make some plays as well. I, I just, I honestly think that he, he has the potential to be an All-American this year in college basketball. I really do because I think he's got one thing in mind, and that's score the basketball. I'll answer two and three from from Connor. Do you think this team can win number nine? Yes. Do you think? Do you believe this team? Uh, this will be the season Kentucky shoots over twenty threes per game. Yes, uh, I think uh, yes on both counts. And why I think that Sean is, I went back and today just the announcement of UNC uh, being the uh, CBS Sports Classic. I'll ask your thoughts on on that as well. Um, what what you think of that? Not you know non non conference schedule in general, but that edition in particular. Uh, but I was watching a lot of those highlights of that season and just how fun that season was and ball movement and uh, how many live live ball passers and, and just there was 
the, the pace they played with. It was such an exciting team uh, and the the points they were able to put up and the, the, all the different options. It did kind of have the vibe that we're getting with this upcoming team. And that was the team, I, be, I believe uh, off the top of my head, that was the team that shot 19.93 per game. And and the I think closest that Cal's ever gotten to, to hitting that 23 mark. Um uh, I think we're going to get a team very similar from in terms of style of play. Guys who are able to go get theirs and, and basketball players, as John Calipari puts it. I, I think we're going to get something very similar to that. And go figure, we get uh, UNC and the CBS Sports Classic once again to kind of run, run that thing back like Malik Monk did uh, going for 47 out in Vegas. I'm a big fan of that game, too. Like, uh, I know there was some back and forth of whether or not it would be Ohio State. You know, we knew it wouldn't be UCLA, given that they just played this past season. But when you can have a non-conference schedule, and just talking about that as a whole, just the, the big games, when you've already got Kansas on a neutral floor, you've got Gonzaga coming to Rupp Arena, you've got Miami, you know you got the road game, you know, with Louisville, you've got the big games, but then you add another Blue Blood program so Kentucky's got two blue blood games on neutral floors before they ever hit conference play. That's how you really figure out. And, and you got guys that are on those rosters that have played a lot of college basketball that, you know, are all Americans and, and things like, and they're going to get tested in the front court in both of them. You no, know, with Armando Baycott and Hunter Dickinson, like you're going to get tested right off the bat. It's opportunities. And, and I know that fans want the home games at Rupp Arena and you're getting them. You're getting Miami. You're getting Gonzaga there. Like, I think that that's a big step in the right direction. Plus the other mid-major games and things are kind of exciting that Kentucky's adding. It's teams that you actually like recognize lot, yeah. the names of. So I think the schedule overall, but getting two neutral site games, one in Atlanta that I think Kentucky fans are going to show up for, for sure, because we know that they always show out in Atlanta. And hopefully we get a better experience covering a game in Atlanta than the one that you and I last did, where it was just me and you in the building and the two teams. So we're definitely going to get a better one there. But then you get Kansas on a neutral floor too. So you get opportunities early to build a resume that maybe won't show up in December, but when you get to Selection Sunday or when I start talking quad one wins in February or late January, that's when those games show up. So I think it's a great schedule. And getting Carolina – was the right move by CBS Sports Classic to put those two teams together. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. Uh, Chad Spearman says, what do you expect the minute split to look like with a Vsich in the fold? Uh, if everyone is healthy, are we thinking 30, 25, 25 uh, for some combo of Bradshaw, Mitchell, a Vsich in, in Uganda? Uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's going to be cream rising to the top in that one. I think pretty firmly you can say Trey Mitchell is going to be a 25-minute guy. I think – uh, Aaron Bradshaw, I think he's going to end up getting fewer minutes than people are expecting because I think he's going to end up balancing a lot uh, and staggering quite a bit with with the Vsich. I think they're going to probably – I think those three I'd probably put closer to the 25-minute range, to, uh, you know, each of them. Uh, and I, I just think Ugana's going to end up being the odd man out from a minute perspective. He's going to play, uh, but I, re I truly think at the end of the day he's going to – play a Lance Ware type role. He's going to come in and kind of give you a couple quick blocks, uh, some hard fouls, uh, you know, maybe some lobs here and there. Like, I think that's what his, his, his expectation is going to be going to this season. You know, there, there's still a lot of, uh, of hope and optimism about him, you know, making the steps forward, but it's, you know, you, you can't play everybody. Everybody on the floor, floor can't play 30 minutes a game. Like at some point the math has to math out. So, I think when push comes to show, I think those three are going to be 25-minute-per-game guys, and I think Ugo will be 7 to 10, somewhere in that range.
I agree with that. And and with the backcourt too, with with minutes and, and stuff, like I think that's gonna obviously shuffle throughout the season as well, where you're gonna have a guy that plays more one night and maybe doesn't play as much the next night. When you when you but when you have guys that can can hit shots and you have so many guys that can play quality minutes, and we saw that in Toronto, then you're gonna have that. And that's that's a nice luxury to have. But Antonio Reeves feels like the guy that's probably gonna be there at the top, leading you in minutes played. And especially early in the season, I think you'll see the veterans play a lot. And then uh, I think DJ is probably going to have a, a pretty significant stranglehold on that point guard position to, to open the season. And and Kentucky's going to ride it out with him early. And then we'll see how those guys that we've talked a ton about this summer, like a Duthiero, where does he slide? Where does he fit in, in minutes? And Justin Edwards, how many minutes does he play? And, and, and having versatility on this roster and being able to play more spots than one is what's going to determine how much you play. If you can slide and play the three and the floor, the four, if you can play the one, the two, and the three, or if you can still space the floor at the five, the way Kentucky played offense, I think that's what's going to separate and stuff. And then we know John Calipari teams, can you defend? If you defend, you'll play. Okay, let me try to say this number out loud of the username. We, we got we to gotta make an, an actual username here because one, two, two, three, four, 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 eight, three, eight, two, nine. It, it ain't working. Let's let's go with a Steve this, or a Greg or a Bob. <laughs> is this no? A <laughs> no, it's it's a username. The question's great. I, we just we we got to uh, tr- transition into a, a, a real username there. Uh, it's a great question. How important do you relate team chemistry to Cal coach teams' success in the past? If you look at the at past history, uh, the team with Keldon and Hero had uh, the most recent success, not counting the COVID cancel team. Uh, that was one free throw away. Uh, they seem to be always around each other, making those post game videos and locker room, all that stuff. Um, I will say that's almost the entire battle for John Calipari. A lot of the times, I think he is always thought that every team he has rolled out there has been on paper talent wise enough to win a national championship or at least compete. I don't think there's ever been a season that Cal truly thought going in after, after finishing the construction of a roster that he said, this one ain't it. That like, I obviously once preseason practices start and you kind of start getting vibes and start seeing, you know, clickiness and guys uh, kind of being polarizing in the locker room. And like, that's where some of the the worry, like Cal knows if, if things are going to trend the wrong direction, but he has never finished a roster and said, Mm, yep, this wasn't one of my best efforts. He's been confident in every single one. And the reason why the ones have failed have been because of internal team t- turmoil. And, and the COVID season is is the best example by far. Uh, it wasn't just the isolation. It wasn't just the kids locked in their rooms and, um, you know, having to eat their dinners out of trays out, left outside their doors. Like you're in, like it's room service in a hotel. Like, there was a lot of internal team turmoil on that roster that led to that team. I, I was told after that season ended from somebody who was right there in the thick of that entire mess of a season that said that team had zero chance of ever taking off because of not because of on court talent, not because of kids being locked in their rooms and all that. It was because there was so much behind the scenes stuff going into that year uh, in terms of players kind of clicking together and isolating from one another, uh, you know, 
guys favoring one one teammate over another and making it very vocal and loud and apparent as the season went on. They said that team had no shot of taking off ever. They knew during the preseason that that team was going to stink. They just did and because of the because of chemistry. And you know, had that been a normal year where they where the fans could kind of get more of a feel of that team, probably would have seen some of those things come out more so and stuff. But I feel like that the the COVID year and being in their rooms and not having full attendance was kind of a, a thing that you could maybe hide behind of why they struggled so much that year. That certainly helped. But like you said, the other things that go into the recipe just weren't there from the beginning. And we talked a lot about that on the show that season. So I think it's very important to have that team chemistry. I think this past season obviously had issues and stuff at, at different times and then they would get it going and then you'd see them go back a step and then they get it going again that's not something that you just flip a switch on. You can't just flip a switch in February and say, all right, now we're going to start playing together. Now we're going to be our brother's keeper and all these things. That That is something that Cal's teams have from the beginning. And you saw that this summer in Toronto with this team, the way that they played together, the way that they shared the ball. It didn't matter who took the shot. Now you want to see that continue on the brightest lights of college basketball. When you get on the floor at the United Center, Kentucky, Kansas, in a blue blood battle, and it's coming down to the wire. You want to see those same things happening. Kentucky and Carolina, SEC play, accolades start rolling in. I don't think you're going to have a problem, though, with this group of guys. They all signed and come to play to Kentucky, knowing who is here. And it seems to me that the this group has something that the best ones have, and that's the willingness to do whatever it takes to win. And that's that's the starting point. If you have that, you already have won half the battle. And I've heard nothing but glowing things about this team off the floor thus far. Uh that has been again, like you said, Sean. That that is. I don't think it's half the battle. I think it's ninety five percent of the battle because all these kids can play. Like, how many players can you truly say over the course of Cal's tenure here just did were were like true misses and couldn't play? Like, there were some. I mean, pretty clear, obvious examples of that, and a lot of them didn't last very long with this program, and they were kind of phased out as the season went on. Like, it's clear, but. 95% of the guys, the talent has been there and the guys that were supposed to be here were like last year's team, I think had a ton of talent and probably had enough to compete. But the issue was, and, and again, I don't think there was ever any huge team turmoil. The guy, the guys didn't hate each other. Do I think that they were annoyed with each other and the priorities were mixed up? And do I think that some, like I've said on the show a thousand times, sometimes guys just aren't best friends. They like their acquaintances, but they're not, great friends or best friends. And that was the case last year. Uh, I think there was some moodiness issues. I think there were some guys that, you know, kind of drama and like, but nothing like, Whoa, these guys hate each other though. It Savier hated Oscar's guts. Like the rumors that were on Twitter, that that was never the case. It was just a team that just didn't mess with one another. Like it, that, that happens. And you take 95% of the talent, like you take the talent over, that and, and hope that things mesh the way that you they clearly have with this team. And, and I think that's why there should be so much excitement about this group beyond just how how they look on the floor. Um, let's keep keep rolling through some of these same long one, two, two, three, four, 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 eight, three, eight, two, nine says, can you give us projected NIL earnings for the players? Not saying you have to give a specific number, but it would be cool uh, to see a ballpark range of how much they could be making. I think that's a great question because uh, you know, I know guys on this past team that 
you know, made not six figures, but still good, you know, $65,000, worth of, of NIL, like pure NIL money with endorsements and team, uh, team things that, you know, not superstar talents on the roster, not the case in Wallace's or Oscar Sheeway's of the world. Like, you know, just rotation guys making that money, which is great money for, for anywhere in college basketball. And, you know, obviously you get the Oscars of the world making uh, seven figures upward of, you know, I, the exact number I w- was told was $1.9 million. But uh, that's probably a safe range. If you are a surefire superstar, top of the level, national player of the year candidate, guys like that, uh, you know, I think firmly into the seven-figure range is, is what you should expect. If you're a Case and Wallace, a potential, you know, a lottery pick talent, a, a guy who was a, a blue chip recruit, guys like that, I think you should be expecting, you know, several hundred thousand dollars. And I think if you're one of the lower end rotation guys, I think it's fair to say that tens of thousands of dollars is what you should be expecting. And that's great money for what you bring to the table as a basketball player. Well, it, and and there's things, too, that, that go into this as well. It's how popular do you become? from the moment you step foot on campus. Like when me and you interviewed Oscar Shibwe at media day before his player of the year season. And he told us that who remember we were asking him who could take a rebound from him. And he said, maybe, I don't know, maybe God. <laughs> and it, I remember me and Great you, and, I remember me and you and Jeff Goodman literally having a discussion outside the craft center about that quote. You and I didn't know. I mean, we knew that he was going to be popular, but you and I didn't know how popular he was going to become. And it happened over the course of maybe two months or so. A guy that would have crushed it in NIL at Kentucky was Tower Hero. When he did, when he was like, I'm a bucket there late in the season, that would have been all over every T-shirt. So who has that moment that kind of just takes off and, and they say something or they do something that just becomes a, a storyline for two or three weeks and, and Matt and the guys are talking about it on KSR one morning and it's going all over the place. Like who has that moment? that adds value too. So you, it's hard. To, you can put a number like you said, but then there's going to be that one guy or two guys on this roster that just do their thing. I, I still think Reed Shepard's going to be rolling in money. Yeah, who is it? Who like, is it? Let's, let's call our shots. Oh, man. I, I'm trying to think here who it's going to be. It needs to be a guy with some personality too. Uh, who says it, Jack? Who, who's the guy that kind of pops and, and something just comes about? I, I still think Reed's going to be at the top when it comes to money. I think there's so many opportunities to get creative with him. I could see DJ maybe becoming a guy too. throw yours at me. Who you got? You got somebody. Aaron Bradshaw will be the one. Aaron, Aaron is the most charismatic guy. in I, I, uh, on this team that I've done interviews with, I've done, four, five, six interviews with him, and I've seen him dozens of times. Um, I, I've done probably more than four or five. I think I'm shortchanging that. But every interview that I've had with Bradshaw, he said something kind of off the wall, something goofy, something, you know, a guy that doesn't take himself too seriously, where he's going to slip up and say something hilarious. The The one that could kind of be a sneaky pick is Justin Edwards because – we had him on this show before and we asked 45 questions to him in the span of like 25 minutes because he's very blunt. He's very to the point. And I, I, I just go back to Sean, the interview that I had with him at Pangos where, you know, 
there were a bunch of rumors about him either choosing between Kentucky or Tennessee. You know, he still had Auburn on his list. He still had a couple other guys on his list, you know, Northeast schools. And he had not cut down his list to clear finalists. Uh, and I said, does it bother you that everybody just assumes that you're going to Kentucky or Tennessee? Like, does is, does that, you know, does that ever kind of rile you up? Is, do you want kind of people to make it clear that you're more open than uh, you're, you know, people kind of allude to publicly? And he goes, why would I care? I'm choosing between Kentucky or Tennessee. Those, That's where I'm going. And it was like, wait, what? Are you, like, are you down to two? And he was like, yeah, it's going to be Kentucky or Tennessee. What's the big deal? Like he's, there's just a refreshing bluntness about Justin Edwards that I think, Sean, it's going to create some sneaky quotes at some point. He's going to do something funny or something big during the regular season. And the post-game quote after the fact, I think is going to be absolutely hilarious. Uh, but but the, Justin Edwards is a sneaky pick, but I think Aaron Bradshaw has all of the char- charisma and charm. How about that story of him get, taking the shirt off of his back at Kroger and giving it to a fan because he appreciated uh, that, that he was representing the United States and had a United States UK shirt. And he said, went and bought a shirt at Kroger, took it off and gave him the one and signed it and said, I appreciate our fans. Like those type of guys make it in the NIL world. So Aaron, Aaron Bradshaw is my sneaky pick. Those type of guys make it at Kentucky too. And Absolutely. before he's ever played a game, he's doing that literally buys a shirt there at, at, at the Kroger and takes that one off and, and you've been around them. You you were there for one of the signings, and me and you were laughing about some of the things that, that Jordan Burks and, and Reed Shepard were doing, you know, back and forth and stuff like just the the personalities on this team. They have a lot of different ones, but they have a lot that you want to be around. And I think it's going to be a fun team to cover. Interviews are going to be fun, and I think uh, I think this fan base is going to really enjoy this group of guys and, and getting to know them throughout the course of the season. But Reed Shepard's going to make bank. I'm calling it now. Like that dude. So many opportunities. He's just just a little boy from Kentucky, Sean. He's just (laughs) a little boy from Kentucky. So many opportunities there. Chef's kiss. All right, Chase Peterson, I know you've been waiting on your question. It's a great one. And, uh, Sean, I I hope you haven't read it yet because it's an awesome one, and I kind of want to get your live reaction on the spot. Uh, Life on the line, your team has to win a game. Your options below. Quad A and Scal in the pick and roll. Devin Askew and Khalil Whitney in a pick and pop or Archie, Archie Goodwin corner catch and shoot. So out of those three options, and I, I I did read this one earlier and I thought about it. It didn't take me long. So Askew and Khalil Whitney in a pick and pop was instantly out the window. Like I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going there. I don't even want to, I don't even want to have to think about that scenario. I don't want the first one either. There's one difference in the third one, and it's a shot is on the way to the rim, and it has at least a chance of going in. I'm taking that one. And you had at least Nerlens there as a safety net cleanup guy, just in case, you know, get get a, a last second put back or something. Like, I think that at least has has the chance to save the day from a putback perspective. Now, had it been had, had it been Quade, Quade and Scal pick and roll is interesting. Had that been a pick and pop? Had it been a pick and pop? That I think that was I think yeah. that'd be easy. I think that'd be easy. But the roll. Uh, but now, but Qu- Chase Chase says Chase says post post Nerlens ACL no cop out rebound. So it's that changes that 
I don't know. It kind of changes things. You're still telling me though, that there's a shot in flight and that one of those guys didn't turn it over like that. You're telling me that the ball <laughs> is in the air on its way to the rim. There's a chance. And I did see Archie Goodwin hit a few threes. So I'm, I'm going to hit some big ones in that win against Missouri that year down the stretch. I can't believe we're talking about 2013. <laughs> I can remember that. But if you had told me, though, that that was Scow with a pick and pop 15 footer, I'm taking it every single time. How yeah, about Quadi? And, and people forget too, Quadi Green actually hit the game. Was it the game winning layup to beat Vandy late in the game that year at Rupp? Like probably one of the most, one of the moments that people actually do forget about that he came through in the clutch and, and hit a big, big shot for him. But I'm taking option three because the ball, you're, you, that's the only one that told me that a shot is actually going up and that I know. I love how quickly uh, Askew and Khalil Whitney was just th- thrown out. No, no, no questions asked. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I had I had to throw that one out. No, Khalil, Khalil Whitney, Khalil Whitney picking a pop. Now, if you tell me Khalil Whitney's going to the rim for a lob, maybe I'll take Whitney there. We didn't see enough of that that year, unfortunately. Not, we didn't really see much of Khalil Whitney at all. I mean, it, that was talk about one of the most forgettable Wildcats of all time. Goodness gracious. Uh, anyway, um, let's go somebody back to the, said, the. Somebody said I got one heck of a memory. Like <laughs> talking about, I do remember that game very well. Uh, uh, Connor says, "Can you make a player comparison for Big Z listed by the criteria below, if possible?" Ceiling outcome, most likely outcome, floor outcome. So, man, that's good. Uh, man, that's ceiling really outcome. Good. See, it, it'd be easier to describe like what a ceiling for Big Z would look like, a, the likely outcome, and what the floor is for him. But to find a player on the spot especially from a Kentucky, like if we're just going Kentucky realm, I don't, I mean, we, I don't think there has been a player comparison for what Zvonimir. I mean, I guess Porzingis is the easy ceiling because that, that is what like the, the hope is at the end of the day, most likely outcome. I think you could say like a, an Olivier Saar type impact where he's going to knock down shots. He's going to, you know, going to, be soft inside and, you know, get a couple lobs here and there. But that, I think that's probably the likely outcome for him. More um, ups, more upside, though, I think there, potentially just, as a pro. Yeah. And then floor outcome. I, I think the floor, hmm. Let's, let's, let's think on that one and go back to it because, that, I don't know, floor, floor might actually be Olivier Saar and those expectations. And somewhere in the middle – I, I don't know, uh, uh, Nate Sestina, or uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of shooting bigs or, you know, somebody who's going to kind of be, be versatile. And I don't, he's just such a – we've never seen somebody like him come through Kentucky, so it's just really hard to uh, it give, is. give him a – yeah. We need to get to uh, a Thier's question because I've seen my name pop up in the comments like 15 times, and he is definitely persistent. <laughs> my, my guy there wanting me to answer, what was it? Which team was better undefeated? The team that lost, team that lost in the Final Four, Anthony Davis. So I'm, I'm, I guess we're talking thirty, the, the thirty-eight and one team, right? You're, you're missing the rest. You're missing the mess of the rest of that, though. Let's go, Sean. Step up and take the big shot. Make your pick. <laughs> I, I was leaving that part out. So I'm going to say 
2012. 2012 was better because, one, they had Anthony Davis. And if you can put Anthony Davis on any roster in Kentucky or any college basketball roster, if you've taken him off that, that roster and put him on any of the other Elite Eight Final Four rosters that season, Kentucky's win, or that team's winning a national championship more than likely. Uh, I would go 2012. And I think, too, that the shooting and stuff from Deron Lamb, Darius Miller, I thought that that team had something that maybe the, the 38-1 and team never got to, and that was lineups that were consistent together and you really knew who you were going with, which I do think will end up being a challenge for this Kentucky team. When you have so many guys that can play, you never really key in on that closing lineup or that, that lineup that really you know does it for you late in games. And I thought you saw a lot of different things there in that 38-1 season, that that team almost – I mean, there were so many games that 38-1 year. I remember sitting on the edge of my seat when they were at Georgia and LSU and Ole Miss, Texas A&M. Like, there were so many games where I thought it was going to end that I kind of would have felt relieved had they lost a game earlier in the year. But I'll say 2012. 2012 just because of AD. I, I do like King Simba says floor could be the disappointment of Scal um, with Avisa. It's like, I think – if you if you dream in your head of like because I, I do remember talking I I had a couple of buddies that worked around the program back then uh, when Scow was there and the off season was just like man this kid is is Anthony Davis reincarnated like the, like the Scow the the hype with Scow was absolutely unbelievable and I guess just the from what the hype was versus what the reality was with Scal yeah he had his moments and you know I think he kind of got a bad rap at times he was not just underwhelming in every sense of the word and I think that that feeling I I could see kind of being reemulated if if you just look at Big Z's highlights and go oh well why is he not that player I could see where that level of disappointment could be the floor so I, I think the the disappointment of scowl and kind of expectation versus reality, I think is a very safe floor. Maybe Olivier Saar kind of being the baseline of what your expectation should be. And if he's a little bit better, uh, you know, it's, it's gravy. And then maybe ceiling being uh, somebody we've never seen before in this program, which would be awesome. So I, I think that's probably a good little three, three level jump. It's a very good question too. All the questions have been great. And I know we're, we're trying to get as many as we can. What, what are you looking at next there? Throwing at me. Um, let's, let's go through, uh, Jacob Polachek, friend, friend of the show. Has Sean Smith been truly Donovan this whole time? I was wondering who asked that when you <laughs> sent it in text earlier. I was like, who, who asked if I've been truly, of course it's Jacob. Uh, man, Jacob, Jacob Polachek, what a guy, what a guy. <laughs> Me and Jacob start every week off with a motivational text of let's go be great. <laughs> so there he was huge, huge fan. Um, <laughs> Zadonk, and, and I'll start tying in some of these recruiting questions as well. Uh, oh, I guess FT, floor is Enos Cantor, unfortunately. We could also get to the reality of something happening with his eligibility. You know, I, I haven't heard that, but that could also be an unfortunate reality. But, well, you know what? We're not, this isn't a negative show. We're not going to talk to uh, those, the, talk those things into reality because we're, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be excited about Big Z. We're not going to talk about the, uh, the, the, you know, downsides of, of things. Uh, Zidonk says, and we'll, we'll start kind of trending a little bit into the recruiting stuff as well. In terms of roster makeup and overall skill, which Cal prior Cal team do you think this team is most similar to? I kind of talked about it earlier. I, th I think the 2016, 17 team there, there's some, there, there's some real comparisons there in terms of style of play, maybe not a ton of shot makers just in, ter in terms of pure shooters, but 
a ton of guys who can hit shots, a ton of guys who can make plays for themselves, uh, and a ton of athletes. If, and if we're talking spacing, I'm going 2010-2011 Kentucky. The way that they I've used, heard that comparison as well. The way that they used Josh Harrelson that year with with some handoffs and stuff, with some uh, some sideball screen and, and things, and some some get action then too with Brandon Knight and Deron Lamb. Like they they used him in a lot of different ways that year, and then they had multiple guys on the perimeter that could space the floor. I think the one thing that that team had that you're still trying to get is you, you had the the physical four man and Terrence Jones that could still space the floor, but could also put it on the deck and just do a lot of things with his size. I, I don't know. I know Justin Edwards doesn't have the body that Terrence Jones has, but I feel like the way that Kentucky spaced the floor with some guys that season that I, I think you see some similarities in the way that they'll play offense and do some things, but also you got better depth on this team. That team just did not have depth, but boy, were they efficient when it came to the offensive end of the floor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, answer a couple of these recruiting questions. I know Zadonk had one, um, of course, Lisa. Oh, do you have any information available about whether the Boozer twins will visit UK? I've been told they are expected to at some point, which is uh, a big part of where that optimism is coming from on uh, Kentucky's side. Things are trending toward Cooper flag going to Duke in 2024, uh, which I don't think helps Kentucky's chances with the Boozers in 25, because I think, I think right now a lot of Kentucky's optimism comes from, I think, the put-offness that the Boozers have toward Duke about they're clearly being clearly prioritizing Cooper and want going all in on Cooper. Now, if he make if and when he inevitably makes the jump to 24 and goes to Duke, I think Duke then has kind of a pivot in their back pocket of, well, we knew the whole time that Cooper was going 24. We had to go get the guy that we were going to get right away. We knew that you, you know, you've always been our top priority in 2025. So we knew we could kind of go right back to you and and put you in the you know top of our priority list where you rightly, you know, rightfully deserve. And it kind of creates a a, a pivot that is kind of you know easy to put back put put past. 17 year old 16 17 year old so that part sucks but i still think that there's there's a lot of optimism on kentucky side that uh that they have a fighting chance that they're wide open and uh, really want to kind of take this recruiting process seriously and kind of maybe even uh pave their own path instead of just following in their dad's footsteps I, i've talked about on the show that the coach k connection Carlos Boozer was Coach K's guy, not John Shire's guy. John Shire came six years after uh, Carlos Boozer left and was firmly in the NBA. Like, there's not that family bond that the, the the brotherhood that Boozers have with John Shire. So I think that's what gives Kentucky a real shot there. Um, but I do think that Cooper going 24 doesn't doesn't help a, a whole whole lot, Sean. No, and 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 24 that that class. You and I've talked a, a ton about it overall that I'm interested to see what Kentucky does when it comes to putting a roster together. Cause I know what they're doing and I have an idea of what they're going to look like beyond that. Cause I think that the, obviously the classes that follow are, are a lot stronger, but recruitings there's never to me, there's never a formula that just, this is where you have to kind of be flexible as a staff in today's world. There's so many options to recruit now not just high school basketball anymore. Your your transfer portal can help you out. You can look internationally. There's so many things that you have to cover when it comes to recruiting that you I think you got to use all of them to build rosters and I think that that's what's so encouraging about what what Kentucky's doing this offseason 
and stuff, adding an international guy, you went to the portal and then you dominated the high school ranks and you got the guys you want. You got to have that blend. I feel like to really be successful in this new era of college basketball. Um, what Finn's fan says, what guards are most likely to commit to UK for 2024? Uh, it seems UK is doing really well with the bigs. and I'm counting Knox as a small four, but it doesn't seem like UK is leading for any point guards or shooting guards. Uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're still pushing for Boogie Flan. He's uh, going to take an official in, in September. Uh, that's probably at the top of their priority list for just pure point guards. I don't think that they're leading for Trey Johnson right now. I think Billy Richmond, Kentucky, is the firm leader for, and I think they'll end up getting him at some, some point in the next couple of months. Um, so that's probably the most likely to commit for me still, and, and he has been for, for a minute now. But uh, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't think that we're going to see a whole lot of movement in this 2024 class at the end of the day. I think they're going to be relying on 25s to reclass. I think they're going to be relying on the international route, uh, talking to people around the program. Uh, it wasn't just a visage that Kentucky went overseas for, went to um, Serbia to go watch and the, the FIBAs and like uh, Kentucky is very serious about expanding their, their international roots and, and really digging uh you know, really digging deeper there and trying to f hit some home runs. Like, I, I think it's going to be a mixed bag of get a couple guys that you like and maybe not love in 24, get a couple of 25s that you hopefully love and, you know, maybe swing for the fences with another inter international play. Like, I think that's going to be the package. Uh, and somebody else asked about Jaden Quaintance. Um, Zimzam24 says, update on our chances with, with Quaintance. I was disappointed when we let Flory go, but Jaden has been, has been enamored since his reclass. Uh, because of his potential and talent, too, because of the chance that he's here for two years. Uh, I do think that Kentucky does have a real shot at, at Jaden Quaintance. I, I am concerned about the pro route. Um, it's very clear what their priorities are, uh, his camp's priorities are in, in that one. They like money, and they, you know, I, I guess it's not even just that they like money. They also just understand that Jaden Quaintance is a high-value kid, and why settle when there are going to be cash offers for him with the G League and you know, over time and the NBL is going to be, a, is going to make a real push for him. If he goes to college, um, he told me, family told me that Cincinnati is making the hardest push. Missouri's right there. Uh, and Washington's also kind of flirting a little bit, but I think at the end of the, at the end of the day, if he goes to college, it's going to be Kentucky. Um, it depends on what the NIL package looks like. And I have been told the NIL is, is really, really improving with Kentucky and they're, ready to play with the big boys and, and they they have been they they've it's just kind of been a where it's coming from and, and how quickly it comes and you know making promises and delivering you know it's like though the the semantics of that stuff has been the difficult part with Kentucky they've always had good NIL money and the guys that have come here have have done well with NIL so it's just about kind of how it comes and how quickly it comes and the promises and all that stuff so um, I think the pitch to Jaden Quaintance is going to be a, a significant one. And I think Kentucky does have a real shot, but watch out for the pro route. Uh, I, I think the NBL's kind of lurking quite a bit. But if he does go to college, I do think uh, Kentucky is right there in the thick of things, probably at the top of the list. Uh, and you're being totally honest, I, I, I think it's an upgrade over Flory Badunga from what Kentucky is trying to do. Uh, versatility, guys who can make shots, guys who can – you know, the, the modern style that Cal's looking for, that's what Jaden Quaintance is. And I think at the end of the day, uh, that's part of where they kind of fell back and knew that Jaden was probably going to reclass up. I, I think those two things went hand in hand with Flory. You had a question there too. Which class overall is weaker, 23 or 24? 24, not 24. close. Absolutely. I agree. With there's, that. there's value in 24, but 
the the top end stars, the the guys, you know, the DJ Wagner's and the um, you know, Aaron Bradshaw's and Justin Edwards, the guys that Kentucky has clearly felt been in love with for a long time and and know can be difference makers. There's a reason why Kentucky, like at this point, we'd already gotten Reed Shepard, uh Rob Dillingham and Justin Edwards already committed. Almost had Aaron Bradshaw committed by at this point, should have had him committed, and then it, he lingered into October and then uh, DJ Wagner shortly afterward. But you knew who Cal's guys were at this point last year, and those guys do not exist with this with this group, and it's because they're not in love with any of them. Like they they like a lot of them, but they're not in love with any of them. And uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's close. I think twenty four is is a very weak class from top to bottom. There is value there if you know what you're looking at, and if you can really hit some home runs and, and strike with evaluation. But uh, I, I think I think we're going to see some reclasses, and I think we're going to see some international talent that really kind of shake the pot up a little bit with with um, who who kind of makes an impact next season at the collegiate level. And, and then I think too, you can you can throw this in here. That's why adding guys like Jordan Burks and Joey Hart and even a Duthiero a year ago were significantly important because you, you need guys that add depth to your program, hopefully for more than one or two years. Now, is that going to shake out and work out that way? Who knows? I mean, it's, it's so different today, and guys are always looking for minutes and roles and opportunities. But having those guys added this summer, those make sense now that you look at the overall roster. So I think a combination of how you – combat that with a, a weaker class is you you get one or two guys that you really want that fit what you're doing you get guys multiple guys to return to your program you look at the portal you look internationally like there's there's a blend and i think that not only is kentucky a program that's having to do it next year when you got a weak class overall all of college basketball is having to do the same model or something similar like you're going to see guys looking internationally some teams are going to have more return Maybe next year's a year where you could see Kentucky be a little bit more active in the portal than what they've been. They've added one guy this summer, Trey Mitchell. They added one guy last year, Antonio Reeves. If you lose a guy to a transfer or something, or in even better, Kentucky goes on a deep run, wins a national championship, and you lose guys to the NBA draft because they're that good, then maybe you look at adding two or three guys from the portal if they fit. So Kentucky will have a roster again a year from now that will be competitive, but it's going to be a little bit different how they get there, I think. Um, let's see. Uh, Hills asked on, on the chat, why weren't more colleges interested in the visage? I think because Kentucky made it clear from day one, if he was going to college, that he, Kentucky wanted it to be in Lexington. And it was a pitch that, you know, if, if visage was going to college, he wanted it to be one final run and swing for the fences and, and get to the NBA next year. And, uh, you know, they both had what the other was looking for during the process. And, and I, I think, it, you know, Memphis flirted for a little bit, but I, I, I don't think it was ever anything but Kentucky if he uh, were, were, were coming over. Um, let's see, uh, Athir Kader. I, I got a question, Jack. When are we doing the season preview show? Want to see how many losses Sean will give the Cats. I will put you on the spot. How many losses this season? I know we, we don't have the actual roster, the actual schedule finalized yet we are kind of inching closer toward the non-conference being finalized and the sec is already done so um we're close but not there yet but just kind of we'll we'll have a more formal version of this but i do want to put you on the spot man that's tough because like i said you don't you don't really know and i want to see the layout of the sec schedule of of who's back to back and what road trips and, and where kentucky's going like if they're going to, to tennessee on a saturday and Arkansas on a Tuesday or something like that back to back. I mean, it's it's a tough schedule. All those things factor in. But I will say 
they're not going undefeated. I'm not even going to put that out there in into the into the conversation. It's a tough schedule. The league is better than it's been. Like, and we know the league just continues to get better. I'm going to say Kentucky loses somewhere in the ballpark of five to seven, somewhere in that range. It's a really hard schedule. Like seven losses in a regular season for this team is like would be totally welcomed. And, t- and talking to people around the program, like they're expecting to take some lumps just because the schedule is difficult. Like it's not because they're not confident about their team or th- uh, think they're going to to lose games, but it's just you know playing the odds. It, it, it's young. It's a young team. They're not going to be cohesive one hundred percent of the time. They're not going to make shots one hundred percent of the time. They're going to have slip ups and. Like it's just common sense. It's just it's it's how life works. They're they're I going lean, to have slip ups. I lean more towards seven than five. Yeah. By the way, too, like I think it's more likely that they end up on seven. When I mean, you got home games against Miami and Gonzaga. You love to get both of those, and then if you can grab one of those neutral floor wins against North Carolina or uh, Kansas. I mean, if you get both of them and the two home wins, then you're talking a completely different conversation about resume early in the season before you even turn the calendar to SEC play. So. Get the two at home. Get one of the neutral floors. Don't lose to anyone that you should that you should be at home in the non-conference. And then you go into SEC play with a, a loaded conference that has a lot of teams that I think can make runs in the NCAA tournament this year. Like it's not in and not out in the SEC is tough. And Kentucky is going to lose some games in the SEC. Polaric Spicer says, do you see Rob coming back for a year or two like Tyler Ulis? Him and Burke, Burks add weight and one-year experience. They will be lottery picks in year two. Uh, I would love the possibility. And, and you know, maybe maybe that's where Kentucky's point guard helps. You know, they, they like Boogie Flan, don't love him. But in that 2024 class, how awesome would it be to have two core guys in Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard as your – kind of starting backcourt going into the following year, then add a Billy Richmond, then add an international guy. Like that's where you can really start getting excited about next year's roster is, you know, the, the guys that are good but not great this upcoming season can really take off in, in, in the next year. And you don't have to rely on kind of hitting home runs on every single get in this 2024 class. Yeah, I think that that's, that's, that'd be a guy that you would look at and I think could have a big sophomore year at Kentucky. And if you could tell me that next year's roster has Rob Dillingham, Reed Shepard, you get a Duthiero back, uh, Ugo back, and you have four or five, six guys that have been in your program for at least a year, possibly two years, then you go out and, and piece the portal around it. and Whatever they get in high school, they look international. I would, I would feel a lot better about what next year's roster could do. But – this feels like a team that is going to turn and, and bring some more guys back than maybe they have in, in recent years, just because I think it's constructed to do that. It's just, do you hold on to them and can you keep everybody happy and not kind of let the clutter and all this stuff that, that Cal talks about? I mean, it's a challenge. Will there be a guy that transfers off this roster or leaves? Yeah. I think that that's the, the climate of college basketball now for sure. It'll happen. Alan Baldwin says, rank these 2024 recruits in order of most likely to end up at UK to least likely. Uh, Jaden Quaintance, Aza uh, Newell, uh, Boogie Flynn, Carter Knox, Billy Richmond, Trey Johnson, uh, Darren Peterson. I will go Billy Richmond most likely, Carter Knox next likely, Jaden Quaintance third, Boogie Flan fourth, Trey. Uh, Darren Peterson ahead of Boogie Flan. 
Trey Johnson, or Darren Peterson, Trey Johnson, Asa Newell. Newell. I, I think the, that that's a – Kentucky's not – I mean, they, they, they like Asa, but they're not super in love with him. But I think that's a, a pretty safe order. And, you know, I, there's a chance that we don't see a whole lot of uh, commits in that class anyway. So, uh, you know, it, it might end up getting two or three at the most and then go the other pass that we talked about in the past and all that good stuff. Uh, we're going very long. This is probably one of the longest shows we've done in a minute. So we'll, we'll, I'd like to kind of go uh, rapid fire. But, but first, we've, we talked way too long before acknowledging, Sean, our brand new friends that I'm so excited to talk about uh, because I love their product and it's, it's absolutely sensational. Uh, Gametime.co. Uh, is a a brand new uh, ticket uh, ticket sales uh, app that I, the app is as uh, the interface is fantastic. The uh, ticket prices are obviously fantastic, and and uh, my favorite feature personally, you get to see where your seats are coming from when you are looking at the app, and you know you don't have to go through and look at a little dot on a map and just kind of guess of where you are in the stadium. Awesome stuff. Game time uh, is absolutely awesome. I, I, I'm so tired of. You know, I just try to get Dave Chappelle tickets and and sitting through long queues and wait lists and uh, all this nonsense. It, it's just convenient. It's right there in front of you. You know exactly what you're getting uh, and lowest prices guaranteed. My personal, my other, I like the, the picture part. And I also love the fact that it's the lowest price guaranteed uh, of all the different ticket uh, ticket apps. It, it's just been an absolutely uh, exceptional uh, experience with me thus far. They have flash deals and last minute tickets. It's right there at the top of the screen. You can slide to unlock and it gives you the best, latest and greatest deals. Uh, Sean, I, I know you're a big fan of game time and, and our partnership with them. That's just getting started. It's going to be a, a long-term partnership with them. So I want to make it very clear that uh, KSR fans better get used to it because it's uh, it's it, there's a lot of excitement coming down the pipe. Yeah, it's it's very clean too. The presentation of it, like you said, the the picture how you can like pan and scan and and stuff and look at everything in the view from your seats. And I, I was actually looking at tickets for Kentucky's football season, and there there's plenty of them available on there. I was even looking at Champions Classic a minute ago. So we were talking about Kentucky's non conference schedule. So. Definitely recommend you know using that and, and looking at that, and I think you'll be blown away with how clean the presentation is and how easy the app is to use. Look at that season debut! I just just did it. It's one of the flash deals. Twenty one bucks a ticket for uh, absolutely in, in, insane seats, and, and I just I, I love this app so much. It's fantastic. You get cheap deals, uh, guaranteed lowest price uh, out of anything you'll find. There's uh, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, so many uh, little quirks and things that that you will find here no nowhere else. Uh, awesome stuff. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Uh, game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Uh, and the game time guarantee means that you will always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section. And row for less game time will get will credit you 110% of the difference, Sean. I mean, you, you literally just you, – you cannot beat that. Uh, it's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app. Just 
you can go to gametime.co, but the app is just so convenient. It makes no sense not to do that. Just go do that. Create an account. Use promo code KSR for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, uh, just create an account. Redeem code KSR for $20 off. Uh, Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Uh, I'm excited for that one, Sean. That's a a good one. That They also make it easy for you to sell your tickets, too. Like it's also yeah. easy to get on there and sell your own. Plus, I mean, it's literally four options at the bottom. Like it's so clean. You can look at your profile, your tickets, sell them or buy them. Like it's not a, a whole lot of trying to navigate something that's that's ugly to look at or something that's just too much for you. It's so easy to use. And uh, I like that you can easily access your tickets and stuff there as well. Yeah, make that happen. Download Game Time today. Last minute ticket prices, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, we are wrapping up. I, I want to answer like just a couple, uh, a couple of others um, on Twitter. We didn't get to hit any of the Twitter feed. Jimbo Moore, uh, Aaron Bradshaw status thoughts on preseason ranking and also no seed movement on updated bracketology from today. Uh, Aaron Bradshaw's good. I know he said that he was going to be out of his boot this week. I don't want fans to get too excited about the fact that his boot is coming off because, again, just just because it's coming off doesn't mean that he's anywhere near being ready for lateral movements and actual game play. So uh, it's going to be a process with him. John Calipari made it very abundantly clear uh, during the the pre-Toronto press conference that they will not rush him back to game action. So even if you see him walking around in his Crocs or whatever, you know, whatever he's wearing – know that it's a good step in the right direction, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's ready to go right this second. It's going to be a process with him. I just, you know, focus on the end goal, focus on him playing that opening night uh, of the regular season. We don't need to be rushing him back and risk, you know, further injury that they're, they're on a good pace right now. They're on a good track. Let's just focus on that Uh, above and beyond. And I want to get your thoughts, Sean, on the uh, uh, preseason rankings and no movement, seed movement on the updated bracketology from today, even after the addition of Visage. Yeah, I'm not getting Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Being caught up in it, I actually like that there's no movement there because there have been plenty of seasons where we've been sitting here at this time and Kentucky's a projected one seed and they end up as a six or something. So, like, I, I like that there's not a ton of movement. That's fine to me. I would love to see this team somewhere ranked outside the top ten in the season. I, I don't want this to be a team that you look up here in October, November, and we're talking about them being top five. I'd love if, if they'd put them somewhere 14th to 16th, somewhere through there, and just kind of let this team play its way into whatever it becomes and not s- start with some crazy expectations on its shoulder because we know that those rankings do not matter until you get probably a month or so into the season, then you kind of start seeing where teams are. Look at look at North Carolina a year ago and stuff. Like Kentucky's been in that spot too. Like they've had years where they've started there and and finished in that top five, but they've had many more where they've started there and not finished there. So I, I like kind of where they're at and not a ton of movement. Uh, Polaric Spicer says, "When Ugo? When is Ugo coming back? And what happened to him? I just heard surgery on his foot, and that was that." Uh, yeah, the expectation is September-ish. Again, uh, 
it's going to be a process. I don't think Kyle's going to rush him back either, but I, I think the, the timeline for his return into live game actions, probably quicker than Bradshaw uh, coming back. I would expect to see highlights of, Ugo running, jumping, dunking, blocking shots a lot faster than we see Aaron Bradshaw kind of doing the same uh, on his end. But uh, both are very, very much expected to be uh, back in time for the start of the regular season. So that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Just got got to get those guys healthy and get them back on the practice floor. Uh, just a couple more before we get out of here. I like this one a lot from Taylor Page on Twitter. Over under six different Wildcats scoring 20 plus this season. Ah. Uh. Let's, I'm going to say a push. You get the six. Yeah. Uh, and what, what what is Cal's uh, secret formula if four guys can score 25, it's a title contender? Is that what his recipe has been in the past? Is it four, four guys? I can't remember if it was four or five. I want to think it was five. That year, didn't Maxi do it? Hagens did it. EJ did it. Nick did it. And quickly did it. So I know five. Okay. At least got there. I, I can't remember if it's four or not, but I was thinking that when I saw that question as well. And I think that the, the way that this team is is built, and, and two, how many of those happen early in the season against some mid-major opponents and things, but I still think that you got – and you saw this in Toronto with multiple guys that kind of have their moment. Minutes are going to be extended for some guys in the regular season. I think that this team gets to at least five but I could also see it really getting to six because of the just the, the different pieces that they have. Like one night, DJ's going to do it. Rob's going to get hot one night and and hit a lot of shots. Justin Edwards is going to have his moments. You know one of those bigs is going to have a, a breakout at some point. Like there's just so much versatility and, and options across the board that can score you points that I think that this team, which makes you hard to scout and hard to prepare for, which leads to what Cal says. Does Reed Shepard have a 20-point game this season? He does because there'll, there'll be a game where he'll hit three three or four threes. Like he's 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 a good enough shooter that he's going to get open looks and, and make plays. I, I think so. I think honestly, out of the guys that I just mentioned, I think uh I think Justin definitely has one. I think DJ certainly has one. We know Antonio Reeves is probably going to get plenty. Uh Trey Mitchell's the kind of guy that can go for one of those as well. I mean you might can honestly name seven guys that Kentucky that you could see Kentucky doing and getting. Like Bradshaw's going to have dunks at the rim. Ah, man, I'm actually getting excited talking about this. Like, <laughs> like it's uh, as a coaching as as a coaching mind, you just have so many options that can score the basketball. But there, there's going to be plenty there that it's it, Kentucky's going to be a hard team to scout, especially early on, because you don't know the minute distribution that that Cal's going to use and what lineups. Uh, let's wrap up here. Um, there, there, we, there, we got so many questions. I mean, we're an hour and 20 minutes into this thing, the longest show we've done and who knows how long, but it's been refreshing. I've liked uh, interacting with the fans and kind of actually digging into a lot of this stuff and, and doing, uh, you know, getting into the nuts and bolts of it. I have really enjoyed this. Uh, Trey Hawk is a two, two parter. Do you see today's UK coaching staff being the same in the 2024, 2025 season? That is, if you were to ask me that, Sean, three months ago, I would have said, no, 0% chance. And I think there's a, a real shot that it starts up top with Coach Cal and everything else. Obviously, uh, the assistants leaving from there. Like, I, I, I do think that there was a real moment that that possibility was at least firmly discussed. And as a, like, you know, 
if this season is what we expect it to be, I'm cool with sticking around. But if, you know, things implode and the fan base turns and all that, like, I think it might be time. Like, I, I do I do think that that kind of realization and just, just conversations, even if they were whispers internally that – that was on the table and, you know, I don't want that to happen. I hope he stays and that, that'd be be awesome. But I guess in terms of assistant moves, it's always a good thing if your assistants take head coaching jobs. Like you you want that for your staff, if that's the case. Katie Turner uh, taking the UT Arlington job, awesome stuff. That's a great move for the program. You, If, if that's where the movement comes from, that'd be awesome. Um, you don't want to see any turnover from a performance based from, you know, this guy wasn't living up to the expectations. So as of right now, I think there's a better chance than ever that the the coaching staff that we see today is what it's going to be next season. If you were to ask me that three months ago, I would have said very, very unlikely. I agree with that too. Like I, I think that, that what they have guys are kind of in place and have been in, the, in their roles on staff. And then, the additions that they just added. I don't think that this will, with those two, that you'll have a KT Turner that just one year and, and gone somewhere else. And, and, you know, KT got a head coaching job. Like that's, you know, that's a, that's a great thing. And that's the, that's the, the moves that you want to see your coaches make. But with the additions that they've added with, you know, with Welch and, and Martin, I think that those are guys that are going to be in this program for a bit. And then I think that the stability that they have at other pieces too, I, I think that, if you can have stability on your coaching staff and not a lot of shuffling for two or three years, it helps you one in recruiting with building relationships and, and sustaining those and just familiarity with your program as well. When it comes to recruiting, not just 24, but 25 and beyond. And then Cal at the top of it. Like uh, I really hope that however long that this thing goes with Cal, that it, it's hard to relive and, and live up to what happened those first five or six years. It's going to be a really hard thing to, to kind of try to match. But I'd love to see however long, if it's four or five more years, it's hard seeing 10. That's a long time. But if it's three, four, mm-hmm. five years, I'd love to see it ending on a high note. Kentucky going to some Final Fours, win a national championship, and kind of going out with a bang. Like, I think that would be the perfect way to kind of to wrap it up and however long it goes. But I think he's going to be around a little bit longer. Completely agree. All right, last question of the day, and it's a very important one from Trey Hawk. What's your favorite movie? You know I'm going basketball. What is it? I've I've always been a Hoosiers guy. Like Hoosier, literally, the movie Hoosiers. I love it. It's I could watch it over and over again. I also like We Are Marshall too as a football movie. Like I love movies like that. So I've never been, I've never been anything. I've never been a big movie guy outside of stuff like that. I am a, I, I am obsessed with movies. I love movies and uh, you know, uh, all the different types of them and, you know, action and thriller. And I, my favorite is like the psychological thriller ones that like plot twists and like the M night Shyamalan, even though a lot of his movies suck, like the idea of them. Uh, I, I, I love uh, for that reason, fight club has always been at the top of my list. I've always loved that movie. Uh, Dark Knight has been up there too. actually kind of a sneaky one that I, I kind of recently became one of my all time favorites was uh, Spider-Man into the spider verse. I just think the like animation and the, the, 
like living, breathing comic book that it is. It's my favorite. Uh, but I, I'm a I'm a sucker for movies, man. I, I love uh, anything and everything. If 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 you put me in front of a good movie, man. I, I but I'm like a the movie has to be two hours and a, two and a half hours or less. Like I, I really unless it's like Infinity War, Endgame, or you know something like that. Don't give me a three hour movie. That's part of the reason why I haven't gone to see Oppenheimer yet. I've heard amazing things about it, but I'm like, dude, I just do not want to sit in a theater for three hours. So. That's that's been that's been my one holdback. I did I did go see Barbie though. Ooh, someone asked someone asked me about if I was going to see Oppenheimer and trying to get me to go. So that's probably one that I will see. I, I think about me. I am really into scary movies. Halloween is my favorite time of year because yep. I, I love stuff like that, and I'm more shows than I am movies. Netflix, Hulu, things like that. That's. I'm more Stranger Things. I like Stranger Things. I love Shameless, stuff like that. Like that's more so what I watch instead of just to sit down for a couple hours watching a movie. I, I get invested in a TV series or something like that. Breaking Bad's my favorite TV show of all time. Oh, absolutely. Um, Better but call like Saul. Black Mirror, Black Mirror, like what I was talking about before the you know the uh, the, the psychedelic plot twist stuff and the the like technology thrillers black mirrors right at my alley i love all those some of them suck some of the individual episodes suck but the series as a whole uh, is awesome all right uh, that has been more than plenty i've i've loved today's show i've really appreciated interacting with the fans i hope uh, we got to answer all you know some of the s- smaller ones we weren't able to hit but i think the big picture roster takeaways and recruiting stuff and rotations and lineups and things like that. I think we got to hit the the vast majority of them uh, scheduling stuff. We got to, to, to touch on a lot of that. Um, uh, a lot of that. Um, I guess th- let's end with this one. Cause I, it does kind of relate to um, scheduling and what we talked about with UNC uh, CL Holland one on KSR KS board says, what matchups are you looking forward to see most with our guards, particular DJ and Rob seeing UNC on a schedule made me immediately think of Elliot Cadeau versus both of them. I think Elliot, Elliot versus DJ and and Rob is going to be must see TV. That's going to be awesome stuff. That's the one that I was going to go with as soon as you started getting to that question and, and you get it in December. And stuff like I think that that's one uh, in the league. I'm interested to see you and I actually had a talk with an assistant coach or in the SEC this summer, and we were talking about how the league's going to be, you know, shaking out who's going to be the best team. And Tennessee was the pick. They've got a lot of older guys coming back, and I've had this conversation multiple times with people. Just because they're older doesn't mean that they're going to be. Great. Those same guys have been in their program for a while, and it's not really netted them anything outside of an SEC tournament win or a really good regular season in advance of the Sweet 16. But that is an old team in the SEC that I'm interested in seeing Kentucky's youth up against. Old team might win the league. Old team that's been around and tried it multiple times after multiple times, I don't think that that wins the one that matters at the end. I think that there's value in, in being young and then blending in a couple of veterans like Kentucky has. But that's a matchup that I'd be interested to see how Kentucky's young backcourt does against an older roster. I mean, Vescovy and Josiah Jordan James, like they they got a lot of guys, Zakai Ziegler, that, that have been in, in that program for a long time. That that's going to be an interesting matchup. Kentucky gets them twice. And, and I almost am more excited for the front court because you know, you know that the guard play is going to be elite no matter who. But 
think of the excitement, Kansas, Kentucky, Champions Classic, modern basketball versus Hunter Dickinson ball. You know, all the fans that wanted Hunter Dickinson so bad and how he was going to change up style of play so bad versus Aaron Bradshaw, Trey Mitchell, and Zvonimir Visich. Like, it's going to be two polar opposite playing styles. I think it's going to be really intriguing to see which one wins out in 2023. And two, it's going to be one of those things of uh, what could have been for Kentucky. Like, what could Kentucky have looked like with Hunter Dickinson? Do they do they win it at, at playing a different style? And and two, that game right there, I really like where it's at because it gives Kentucky's young roster a game against who I think is one of the, the best in-game coaches in college basketball. Bill Self is one of the best coaches at making in-game adjustments. It's it's a guy that'll throw a triangle and two at you with eight minutes to go in the game. We've seen it multiple times against multiple teams. Kentucky faced it. Uh, Jamal Murray, Tyler Ulis that year. You get to see looks like that early in the season, and we know Bill Self will do whatever it takes to to try to win that game. So I think that that gives you a game against a a program that's got a ton of talent, going to be one of the the picks to to make it to a Final Four, win a national championship, but also a coach that can throw a lot at you that I think is good for this team, especially early on. Seven and Back to the Future are also on, on my list, by the way. But we, we can do a whole podcast on movies. That's 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 my stuff. All right, Sean, man, hour and a half is more than plenty. I appreciate all of our uh, fan questions, man. This has been an absolute blast, and uh, appreciate all, all, all of our partnerships. Justice Dental, my perfect franchise. Um, you know, there the, there are go tos, but also appreciate GameTime game Co. Um, and the the app that they bring to the table, we're, we really appreciate all of our partnerships, and we're still still talking with our guys, Bird Dogs. Don't get too excited about uh, us missing out on Bird Dogs because that comes back next week. We're very excited about that partnership as well. A lot of great stuff coming down the pike, and uh, the sh- the show ain't slowing down. I know it's the the dead of the off season, and I guess we can let our uh, listeners in on a little little secret. We're coming up with a debate. Uh, with none other than Jeff Goodman uh, to talk off-season grades. I know everybody got up in arms about his uh, C grade for Kentucky's off uh, off-season, and John Calipari saying everything fell into his lap. And uh, we're we're gonna kind of put him on the spot for a little stuff. It's gonna be a nice, friendly banter debate that I'm sure fans will absolutely love, and certainly have nothing but uh, kind things to say about uh, friend of the program, Jeff Goodman. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a fun one. And uh, we we were hoping to kind of get that one this week, but. It's it's coming and it's going to be a lot of fun. Like we're not going we're not going to sit on here. We're not the type of guys to sit here and talk and disagree without bringing someone on and letting them tell us why, and then us kind of bantering back and forth. It'll make for a good show, and I think people enjoy it. Also, one more note: crazy good numbers on this show. We've had we've been hovering two hundred plus for an hour and thirty minutes. Like there have been people that I, I think would listen to us for four hours. Some of y'all are crazy, like. <laughs> I mean, but then again, this show is so good that I'll go back and listen to it soon it's over and I'm on it. Like I love yeah, I love the show and I love our I love our listeners and, and everything. Like this this is so much fun. And and this was about our listeners. You all created the content tonight and look how long we went. Yeah. We really appreciate it, man. It's it's a uh I <laughs> like how Steven said I'm on my third rewatch of the last show. Um, awesome stuff. FT says going back to Kentucky, get married next week. Going to go to KS bar for the first time. Congratulations. Uh, excited for you. That's awesome. Appreciate, uh, your continued support and, uh, go enjoy KS bar. It's, it's, it's some great stuff. And, um, also we, we did talk about, we have fantasy camp coming up. So people get to make fun of me playing again. Hopefully I, 
Uh, don't embarrass myself out there. It was a good run last year, back-to-back national uh, national championships, uh, Rupp Arena championships. Uh, uh, so hopefully I can run it back for a three-peat, but uh, we'll be putting some good stuff, highlights. You guys can make fun of me on here after the fact. And Oscars camp, uh, Mr. Coach Sean Smith is going to be coaching at Oscars camp that same weekend. You do not want to miss that. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be coaching with Oscar and uh, the Kentucky men's basketball team too. Majority of them will be there, so I'm, I'm a camp coach along with those guys. Looking forward to that. Uh, definitely share some some cool stuff from that, and then I know you'll have a lot coming from your experience there. And uh, I'm expecting double doubles from you. As, as Seth Greenberg said on a, a couple shows back, you are guaranteed to get six and six out of me every single game. May not may not be a lot more in either category, but you are damn sure you're going to get six and six out of me every every game. High efficiency again. Led fantasy camp last year in in field goal percentage. Are you kidding me? Like, come on now. I did shoot forty two percent at the free throw line, but that's neither here nor there. Sean Smith, let's get the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com. and if you call it Twitter, if you call it X, you can follow me at GBB Country, whatever it is now. Find me on Twitter, X, whatever it is, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. I've actually been getting a lot of emails on that uh, as well, which is new. And, and I appreciate, you know, uh, getting some feedback and, you, you know, kind of more of an intimate setting, fans asking questions and get, getting to add more thoughtful responses. So uh, appreciate those as well. Find me on both of those platforms. It's been a great show. We will see, see you next time. Sports Day Podcast. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.